0: hit record hello and welcome to another episode of the godly grown podcast retrained soldiers be better christians and christians be better soldiers i'm your host john cooper and today i'm delighted to have a guest on uh david from outside of philadelphia uh and he is a police officer and i'm not going to talk about i'm just going to let him talk about himself so welcome to the show thank you so tell us a little bit about yourself and the Battle Ready Saints podcast, which you <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Well, my name is David, and uh I'm a I'm a police officer in Montgomery County, which is a, a county just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh I do run a YouTube channel slash podcast called Battle Ready Saints, that is all about taking uh Christians' faith and building it up into something that's battle ready that they can take out into the world and live out their faith. In a in a, in a way that's for the kingdom of God that can stand up to the pressures and the the abuse of the world, not just stay inside a a Christian bubble. Um, but I uh, I've been a police officer for a little over six years. Um, it was seven years ago in October that I started the academy, and uh, yeah, I have a wonderful family: uh, a wife, two boys, and a dog. <laughs> what kind of dog <laughs> she's she's a beagle mix that we we actually found at a rest stop she'd been abandoned uh really? down in uh in north carolina so somebody had hmm. just dumped her there we tried to tried to take her to the um the, the welcome center that we were at and they were like mm-hmm. yeah she'll just go to a, a kill shelter so we were like all right well we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep her <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: give her a life shelter so <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh as you know, we've I've been on your podcast before on your show and uh talking
1: which by the way just crested the uh, the the most viewed video. So your episode oh, is wow. the most viewed episode on my channel.
0: Oh, nice. Well, glory to God. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, yeah, I and so I do a lot of military stuff because uh, of my background, mm-hmm. but that same sword that's talked about in Romans 13 also applies to uh policing. Mm -hmm. um it's kind of just a different different aspect we're away and you guys are at home Mm -hmm. um so just how how does your how has your faith really informed your uh work as a police officer
1: well i i do like that romans 13 passage and it's funny my uh one of my instructors in the academy brought up that passage which is surprising because it's not obviously not a, a a christian organization it's it's Part of it's a state organization and uh but he obviously he was a christian and he mm-hmm. he said that um policing is a uh, a, a unique profession because it's uh, i think he said the only but it's it's one of the only professions that is ordained by god and he he read romans 13 hmm. and i figured i'd read it just for for anybody yeah. listening that's that's not familiar just the first five verses of romans 15 And so it's a it, it's a job. And that's, you know, as you pointed out, law enforcement and the military are connected and they were even more so connected back then. And that so Paul actually put that in there for the zealots uh, in the church in Rome who had, were saying that um, they they had no king but God and they they would pay no taxes except to God. And and so Paul was saying, like, well, no, like the 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 authorities in this world are instituted by God and they're there for good. Mm-hmm. And so you have a responsibility before God to be in, in uh, submission to those authorities. Now, obviously it's, it's, it, it describes what they should be doing. And so if they step outside that realm of authority and start mm-hmm. doing other things, they're a terror to good conduct instead of a terror to bad conduct, then that's a different conversation. But this country, one of the nice things about being a police officer in the u s is that this country was founded on judeo-Christian values. It, and it's something that becomes very clear if you're familiar with uh, our system of laws and if you read the uh, the Old Testament, the Law in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. In fact, Deuteronomy was the most cited uh, reference in our founding documents by the founding fathers, because like ninety eight percent of them were, were uh, religious theists, and so they uh, they cited Deuteronomy more than any anything else, and you could actually see that reflected in our laws. And it was funny, like the first time that I read through the Old Testament law, um, it it was almost comical, like it almost seems kind of random, you know, like like almost like God's just kind of giving the stream of consciousness to Moses, and he's like and. You know, if a donkey falls into a hole, yeah. then you know it's like. What? Did I remember to tell you this one here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like what? What is the motivation behind that? But then yeah. years later, I when I read through it again, after having been a police officer for a little while, you actually see that the the what God's getting at with all of these examples is things like intent and mm-hmm. uh, and and all these other um, matters of the heart that we that are clearly reflected in our laws, like if somebody. Yeah if if somebody is um is driving at night and it's hard to see and and somebody darts out in front of their car and they hit them that's very different than if it's broad daylight and you drive your your car up onto the sidewalk and kill a bunch of people and that's reflected in the in our laws and that's something that's directly addressed in the old testament law so we hmm. you see there's a lot of parallels it's not perfect obviously but there's there are a lot of parallels and so not only do we have the are we able to enforce laws that uh god commands for for us to enforce you know the 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 authority that's given to law enforcement is something that's sanctioned in the bible but we're fortunate enough to live in a country where the majority of these laws are things that we can see directly reflected in the law you know from Mm -hmm. the heart of god so um yeah, I don't know if that uh no,
0: yeah, that's great. And I and I think that's a that's a something that people are trying very hard to um tell us is not true, is that yeah. our our laws are rooted in a biblical morality. Um and so they try very hard to say that well, there was maybe one Christian who signed the declaration of independence or, or yeah. the constitution. And you're like, Well, if you go back and read their writings, maybe there was maybe one deist,
1: <laughs> you, know right, you know. Right, right.
0: And yeah. so um It's just interesting because a sermon John MacArthur preached a few years ago, he talked about the restraints on a society from taking on God's full wrath and judgment. And he said they are the church, the family, and the police um, is a restraining order on people's sin. And, and Daryl Harrison from Just Thinking Podcast said it, you know, the government is meant to keep sinners from singing against each other,
1: <laughs> mm.
0: um, which is just a very easy way to remember it. And so as a police officer, I mean, you're kind, you're the front line in that restraining order. And I kind of wanted to just jump to verse 6 uh, just because mm. it jumped into my mind for because of this, you also pay taxes for your rulers mm. or servants of God devoting themselves to this very thing. And so obviously we don't all agree with where our taxes go. I mean <laughs> – yeah, it's, it's on a local level, I, all the way to a you know a federal level. Um, yeah, some of our taxes are put towards Planned Parenthood, right? And so, no mm. matter how much they'd want to deny it, it's just the truth. Um, and so, obviously, but we still pay taxes, but our taxes go to fund police officers um, and mm-hmm. the military. And so, with the cry a few years ago, which you know magically seemed to have gone away. Uh, to defund the police. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. what is you know, obviously, as a police officer, you you hear this kind of stuff and and you probably, in the beginning, at least think it's kind of psychobabble. And then you see politicians who are in charge of making budgets start to cut police officers. And then, in my city, at least, I mean, we saw we saw a massive cut of police officers, and we have one of the highest murder rates per capita in in New York State. So yeah. And we're all kind of looking around going, "Okay, (laughs) you know, they weren't just saying something to uh, to, um, you know, get votes or whatever. It was something they really wanted to do. And now everyone's realizing how bad of an idea it was. Um, And so they're trying to push to to hire police officers. Mm -hmm. Well, people either quit because they heard all this or, you know, they were cut because of this. Now they want them back, you know, it's is kind of like, okay, well, what is going, what is going on? Um, Mm -hmm. Can you just speak to maybe your, your experience going through all that?
1: Well, um, yeah, no one, I don't think, I don't think there's a cop out there that hasn't been affected by that narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, I know even I I work at a a relatively small department um, because in Pennsylvania we have, we have local police and then we have, Um, it kind of jumps right to state where we're set up a little bit differently than a lot of states we don't have county uh, deputies that patrol Uh, they do something different in pennsylvania Um, so there's a lot of smaller departments scattered around and but even in like something that i've found is there's definitely corruption but it's not well one it's not at the street level like uh, there's bad cops out there for sure there's but the the majority of, of police out there would not fit that description so but what do what does seem to consistently be true is corruption in the the Mm -hmm. local politics and 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 on up yeah um so so yeah like we're 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 struggling with with them like they've cut things out of our budget they've they've Mm -hmm. tried to shrink the department even though it should be a bigger department and um you know we don't we we've having issues getting a contract right now we've been working without a contract for a couple of years but police can't strike which is a good rule (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um but there's no recourse other than just kind of wait and let the process play itself out and so that 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 that's a blow to morale um because Mm -hmm. it's a it's a tough job and um and the thing about whether you're in a busy department or a slow department or a big department or a little department once you've been in law enforcement long enough everybody sees the same things the people in the busier departments will see them at a at a faster rate like like just one after the other and so that's why there's more burnout in those busier yeah. bigger departments um but you know we, we we all work shootings and stabbings and domestics and child abuse cases and rape and all that stuff you know you you see it all and there needs to be there needs to be a balance to that. You know, there's, there's, there's two, there's kind of two extremes when it comes to personalities and policing. There's the people that just, um, well, they're cynical because they've, they've been around this in the system for too long. They, they, they've seen the politics play out Mm -hmm. and they, they're just, they're just done. They're burnt out. They hate everything that has to do with, with police work, but they're there for their pension, you know? Mm -hmm. And then at the other extreme there's 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 guys that are just thin blue line everything and you know they i think their underwear has thin blue line flags on it and stuff <laughs> you know that's just it's who they are and that's not that's not healthy either like both yeah. of those extremes aren't healthy mm-hmm. and like many things in life some somewhere down the middle well, well what what we need to do um is recognize that we're our identity isn't it as in being a police officer you know yeah. I, I i love being a police officer it's it's a great job um, one of, one of my, at our graduation ceremony in the Academy, the, the instructor that gave a speech said that, and this is something that you hear often in the, in the field, in the, in the, in the these circles is that, um, like a badge is a ticket to the, a front row seat in the greatest show on earth, because you know, mm-hmm. you go into work and you just see the the, the craziest things. And, uh, and most people don't get to see that, you know, maybe people in like first responders, military guys, like they just see an aspect of life that most people no just aren't does. exposed yeah. to you know um and it and that's true and it's great but it's a it's a role that we play it's not our identity and so um yeah I don't know if you want to jump into getting into like being a Christian in
0: yeah law and
1: enforcement
0: yeah for sure and I and I just think you know and i was in when i was deployed to afghanistan you know the stuff that we saw over there uh, which to me was nothing compared to some other guys that i talked to mm-hmm. uh but just the the depravity of man <laughs> yeah. that you that you see um you know people killing each other and uh children dying and you know st- just the stuff that happens um, and, and for you, it's the same thing. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you may not see massive explosions and you know in the the weapons of war to that extent, but it's mm-hmm. but it's no different. It's the same yeah. as and but it's but to me, it's harder for you because you have to go home <laughs> at the end of a shift. I went and I was around my platoon, mm-hmm. and then we did a whole deployment together, you know, and then we came home to our our wives and children and you know, and then we got to just kind of, you know, not that it was an easy reacclimate reacclimation to society, but it was it was all the bad stuff happened over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't all the bad stuff happens when I go outside the door. Yeah. Um can can you just talk to maybe just how how can you, you know, you don't want to turn everything off, obviously, but just yeah. seeing that destruction and then coming home and having to help your kids with homework type you know, type thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it can be a challenge and I think uh com- compartmentalizing is something that that we all do and mm-hmm. and like you were saying it might be easier if if all of that stuff happened at this chunk of time in yeah. this area far away you can kind of put that in a box and and put it away. That's not necessarily the healthiest thing to do, but it's easier no. <laughs> to do that. Right. Um but you're right like police officers they're exposed to like kind of a different animal with that 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 has a lot of the same attributes um and so i do still do that compartmentalization like if you talk to my wife it it's funny because she'll like i'll come home from work she's kind of stopped like she'll ask me how my day was but i'll just say like either good or busy or not great or something mm-hmm. like that and she she doesn't really ask anything beyond that because like she used to and i would just kind of give the same answers and then Um, She'd be like, man, I guess, I guess nothing happened today. And then later we'd be talking and with like friends or something like that. And something in the conversation would remind me of something that happened at work. And I'd be like, oh, you know, this happened. And and she would be like, when did that happen? I'd be like, oh, I don't know, like a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago or whatever. And, and so she she would constantly get surprised by these stories. But then we both kind of realized that um, once I'm done with work, I'm just kind of done with that and I don't bring it home and uh like I genuinely don't remember or or even just don't want really want to go into it, it it's just like so what happened at work today if it's funny or something like that like then then I'll tell it but if it's like a bad day like first of all I don't like bringing down the family you know when you get mm. home and it's like well this person died you know what I mean <laughs> um it, it kind of helps because my my wife's name's Jackie uh she was a an EMT for a little bit mm. And so she's, she was able to kind of, yeah, yeah, she, she got to experience that world. And and so she can relate. Um, But it's still, it's still not like pleasant conversation for the most part, which is why cops often hang out with cops Mm -hmm. because like your funny stories would just like, you know, it's the same with military guys. Like a funny story for you that happened overseas would really just bring down the room if it was full of normal people. You know, yeah. and so so cops tend to hang out with cops or or other military guys or something like that because they're they're kind of on the same wavelength there. But, um, like you said, police officers. Uh, now, I actually, I actually wrote a paper on PTSD for grad school and police officers and first responders in general, they're exposed to a a kind of a unique um, animal when it comes to PTSD, because post-traumatic stress disorder is is it in a nutshell. It's when you experience something um, life-threatening that also kind of blows out your, the framework of your worldview and you can't contextualize it. And so your brain just keeps playing it over and over. Mm -hmm. And then you, you, you start, it it starts affecting your behavior, you start avoiding things that that might remind you of it. And and that like starts impeding your day to day life. And that's post traumatic stress disorder. Well, police officers can't avoid the things that make them remember the traumatic events, because that's part of their job, they have to go to them. So they're forced to repeatedly be exposed to it. And, uh, and one of the things one of the biggest indicators that you'll develop PTSD is not necessarily the severity of a singular incident but repeated exposures over a longer period of time Mm -hmm. and and so and it's harder to detect in first responders because again they're not going to exhibit those avoidance behaviors because their job is to yeah Yeah. they can't you know um but I think the way that you deal with that um well there's all kinds of clinical things that that are are really interesting but For for the purposes of our conversation, I think that Christians and this I I think we talked about this a little bit when when you were on my show, but uh, I think that Christians are kind of uniquely suited to be first responders and military guys Mm. because we have a framework that's not going to be blown to smithereens when we encounter trauma because we we know the world's supposed to be bad. (laughs) Right. And we understand why it's bad. It doesn't make it easy, but it, it, it answers the why that often goes unanswered in cases of PTSD. So when, when you're exposed repeatedly to these things that are right outside your door and you have to come home and and act like everything's normal, I think what what really helps me anyways is just understanding that, look, this, this sin is out there. I know why it's there. You know, God created a perfect world with the potential for sin mm-hmm. and humans went ahead and grabbed that potential and just manifested it. And so we brought sin into the world and it wasn't just like, ah, Adam and Eve really screwed us over. Every time we sin, we're adding to that snowball effect. So none of us are innocent in any of this. I understand that, that, that I contribute to the problem. um, And so I can understand why it's there. And I'm my, the way that I am, I would, if something's there, I would rather know that what it is and how it looks and how to deal with it than just kind of shut myself off to it. So the fact yeah. that it's going on at home, you know, not in my house, but but like in in our area, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I would rather know what it looks like than than just kind of be oblivious to it. So so yeah, so so not only do we do we have a framework to understand why it exists, um but we also have hope yeah. because that the end of the story is not just well we're stuck with it, you know. And well, the the hope is obviously in Christ that it's mm-hmm. the gospel that that we have that we have a a a happy ending in Christ at at the end of all of this. Um, and and so there is an answer to that hopelessness that we're that we're exposed to. Now that can be a double edged sword for Christians in in law enforcement because it can be depressing to have to see all of this and know that the true problem is sin and we're not sent there to address sin we're sent there to to administer justice to administer to enforce laws you're sent to restrain right and yeah. so we're 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 just treating a symptom we're not actually getting to the root cause because we can't if we arrest somebody we can't we can't go like well listen while i have you the real problem <laughs> is you need jesus <laughs> you know like that would be frowned upon um, yeah <laughs> so so it can be frustrating and, and it can feel like we're fighting a losing battle and that that it's just pointless. And that can also lead to burnout. But again, I think that you just have to understand the context, uh, like what we're doing and what the purpose is. So first hmm. of all, it's something that God wants done. It's valuable yep. because God commands for it to be done. He has a purpose for it. He has a purpose for it. Yeah. Right. And the other thing is just understanding, like, look, not everything we do is directly uh, going to be grabbing the root problem of sin and and wrestling with it. It some things it's going to be it's going to be uh it's going to be loosely connected sometimes or not connected at all depending on what you do. Um you know I would imagine that people outside you know like like accountants may wrestle with the same feelings of futility um but at least as law enforcement you're you're grappling with the actual problem you're just not Treating it with the, the, the real thing that it needs to be treated with, which is the gospel. Um, but I still think, I still think that it's valuable and I like, I like, I don't know if it like is the right word, but I, I find value in being a part of the solution to that part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then i i We should still be living out our faith in other areas. That's why I started the channel Battle Ready Saints. I wanted to do something that was more directly related to the gospel and building up the church and um, living for the kingdom of God in a more like directly connected way, you still live for the kingdom of God as a police officer. And that comes back to the identity thing. Is your identity as a police officer or is your identity as yeah. a Christian? If your identity is in Christ, then you can understand that what you're doing is is merely a job. It's a role. It's something that needs to be done. And there's there's good things that come from it, but it's not your identity. It's not mm-hmm. who you are um and so it's
0: just like in the military you know and Mm -hmm. i'm to use cop language of them if that even makes sense but the badge can become an idol Mm -hmm. very quickly for sure and it was the same in in the army um you know the being you know for instance my job as a as a sniper that is a unique a very unique thing and that can very quickly become your idol it becomes Mm -hmm. your entire identity um you know you're all your all you're listening to and all you're talking about is, you know, ballistics and, you know, you want to, you want to be the guy who's got the, you know, the giant snake tattoo. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, you can go, and I'm sure it's the same with police officers. It, it yeah. quickly becomes um, who you are. But I mean, that's, that's, you know, John Calvin says that our hearts are perpetual idol factories. I mean, we just, yeah. we make yeah. idols out of everything. And, um, And it can be, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse or Mm -hmm. whatever that is, and when that's stripped away from you, and this is talking from someone who's, you know, not in the military anymore, it's been Mm -hmm. stripped away from me. I realized how much of it, how much of it was who I was, you Mm -hmm. know, um, Mm -hmm. to an unhealthy level, you know, as a Christian that I would always say that I was a Christian before in the mil, you know, a soldier, an infantryman or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, but, when I started to, you know, when I'm not in it anymore, and I'm looking back hindsight, yeah. I'm like, wow, I justified a lot of things because, you know, because I'm an idiot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, we all are. Yeah, but, but it 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 it's understandable though because it it comes from something good, and I and I think that this is something that I've been kind of trying to figure out how to communicate well, um, and so maybe you can help me with it, but so as as Christians, we're all called to be part of the 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 most epic to- story ever told, yeah, right and and so when whether it's a sniper in the military or whether it's law enforcement or um even if you take your favorite movie, like like what's your favorite like action adventure movie or something like that, like
0: my favorite movie of all time is The Patriot.
1: Okay, great movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but and there's something in it that 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 moves you, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something that calls to you on on like a really deep level. And that's because there's there's something in that that reflects something that's fundamentally true that we've all been called to be a part of. Yes. You know, and and so as as Christians recognizing that simply accepting that call to the gospel and and submitting yourself to to the lordship of jesus christ that puts you in that epic adventure Mm. and and if we could just recognize that and focus on that we could realize that everything that we're looking for in that identity as a sniper or that identity in law enforcement or what what draws us to those things or the things that we think are cool in movies and stories and stuff like that it's all those are all shadowy reflections of what can be found in Christ. It's not like, well, if you think about it, being a Christian's kind of like the patriot. No, it's the <laughs> other way around. Like yeah. the patriot is cool because what's he doing? Like he's he's struggling with everything he has against the darkness in this world and mm-hmm. standing for what's good and fighting for 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 light and for for good values and all of that. And that's something that we are all called to be a part of as Christians. And it it manifests differently um. So not everyone's going to be tomahawking the Brits, but <laughs> <laughs> darn, um, no, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but again, the, the the reason, like, I think that as long as you're a, an emotionally healthy person, it's not tomahawking somebody that, that is exciting. It's what mm. that represents. It's that standing up to tyranny that yeah. that represents. And that's what we're called to be To do in this world we're called to be salt and light and stand up against the powers and principalities and we're to take up this our 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 spiritual weapons that have the power to to bring down strongholds Mm -hmm. and we get to do that and as as law enforcement officers yes we are we are struggling almost a hopeless battle because we're not going to fix the problem of crime no matter how many people we arrest but what we are doing is we're being salt to the decay of culture, and we're keeping our communities we're 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 trying to slow down the process of sin. and and so we and we also get to be part of God administering his justice here on earth. Yeah. Now ultimately, he handles that at the final judgment, and that's when the final say and and the administration of true justice is given. Mm. But, he has earthly represent- representatives that do administer justice here on earth as well. And so we get to be a part of that. Yeah, and, and I oh go yeah, ahead, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah,
0: no, no, I was I was gonna say, and I think that's a good point because you know when you study, you know, what happened during the Reformation, you know, Martin Luther and and guys like Luther, Calvin, Knox, Zwingli, um, and you study what you know happened with these guys, uh, They had the Catholic church had this view that the only thing that was ministry was the church, Mm -hmm. things you did in the church. And they said, you know, among other things. But one of the things they said was, no, everything you do is ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be a blacksmith like that, pounding of the hammer on the piece of metal is ministry. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you're saying is that we need to start viewing our jobs, whatever it may be as you know as a as a as an uh, infantryman in the army as a police officer this is advancing the kingdom of god like Mm -hmm. you know in some way this is advancing the kingdom of god and finding out how we're a part of that grander story um is something that we need to we need to really search and then how to and this is why god's law is so important is because then we say okay now how do we do this right Mm -hmm. we're in romans 13 romans 13 um eight says, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Yeah. For this you shall not commit adultery. And he goes through some of the commandments. This is what love is. And so we have instructions from God on how to love each other. And, you know, I've said it before and everyone gets a kick out of it. It's like, I love you so much. I'll shoot you in the face. Right, Like that, that is something that is hard to wrap our heads around, Mm. but it's true. We have to understand that there is an aspect of life where someone has to be put down. And that is loving the community (laughs) around because that if that man's allowed to, you know, here in New York, I, you know, working in a homeless shelter now, we had a guy get arrested for having an illegal firearm. Hmm. He gets arrested. He gets booked. The guy, I helped the cops. You know, I kind of held him until the cops got there. The cops got there. You know, they did their job. Three days later, he's coming into our shelter looking for food. Yeah. And I'm like, what, how? And I didn't know anything about bail reform at the time. I learned very quickly. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, how this man needs to be. This is being said is love, is letting yeah. this guy just go free. Yeah. And that is not love because he's going to go find another illegal firearm. He's going to then have to you know they're gonna have to do this whole process again Mm you talk about morale of a cop how many times can you arrest a guy and see him he gets out two days later for an illegal possession of a firearm or whatever it is and say Mm -hmm. yeah i enough is enough here you know i i don't understand you know either this has to quit or i gotta quit uh for my own sanity's sake (laughs) and so because i'm cheap i have the zoom that's only 40 minutes so what we're going to do is we're going to stop this conversation. I'm going to okay. re-invite you. Okay. And then we're going to continue yeah. on, all right? That sounds good. Good plan. Good plan. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, we're back. <laughs> um for my cheapness. Uh so <laughs> um yeah, that kind of kind of leads me into another question I had for you. So mm. when I was when I was in the military, I got asked from locals who are around the military base, especially up here in New York, I don't know how many times, you know, what are you gonna do when you're giving the orders? Come get our guns. <laughs> and I'm sure you get the same responses, at least probably sometimes. Um yeah. and my response was always number one, I was like, that's I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think it can legally happen. And an order like that comes through a lot of legal red tape um now i uh i was gonna say um you know and i think people don't understand how much personal freedom you have in the military and law enforcement Mm -hmm. to say things like no um it does come sometimes repercussions but yeah if you're if you're it's like anything if you're really good at what you do and you can now pose a reason why you're not going to do something usually you know, eight times out of ten you're gonna win that. Yeah. Um, because the either that person knows that if they go against you, there's a in you know in a in a platoon or it may be in a, a force, however the however it's said, you know, however your guys are yeah linked together. Um you know, there there's a respect factor. Yeah you know, if a lot of guys respect you and the the, the top brass comes down and says, no, you're going to do this. And you say, no, I don't think we should do this because of X, Y, Z. They know that if they go against, blatantly go against what you say, that they're going to lose, they're going to lose 75% of the entire platoon um, because you, you are functioning well. You've always been functioning well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, so I I think that the guns is, is a, is a funny example uh, just because uh I don't think it's going to happen no matter how much people want to scare themselves into it. I I don't believe it's going to happen. I could be wrong and I hope I'm not, but I don't think in our lifetime we'll see something like that. But what is, what has happened in Canada is police officers who had to board up churches during COVID and keep people away. Um, We see in other parts of the country, people praying or preaching in front of an abortion clinic and police officers come. So As a as a Christian, um, how do you handle or how would you handle if these things came up those kind of situations?
1: So you have to and everybody has to do this, not just police officers, but you have to have a clear idea of what your hierarchy of responsibilities is Mm -hmm. or your hierarchy of loyalties. You know, in, in Acts, Peter says, you know, we should obey God rather than men. When it comes down to it and so obviously our responsibility to be obedient to god is our highest that's at the top of that hierarchy and then you have responsibility to family and your church and your community and your job and your coworkers, and all of that um so having a clear idea of what that hierarchy is that that's the first thing that you need to do because if somebody like so if they were to say all right we're going to start arresting christians because they're christians that's a pretty easy one, right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so it it, it shouldn't it, it would be a difficult situation, but it shouldn't be a difficult it shouldn't be difficult to figure out what it is that you should do in that situation. Mm-hmm. So have that clear idea of the the hierarchy of your loyalties who who are you most responsible to, and then understanding exactly what the laws of this land do say, and yeah. and the structure of our government, you know, we we are a government by the people and for the people. That's significant. You know, we're not, we're not a, a, a well, theoretically, we're not supposed to be ruled from the top down. We're We're mm-hmm. supposed to be ruled by the consent of those that are ruled. Now, that doesn't mean that if a singular person doesn't like something that they're now the boss, which, you know, we hear all the time from mm-hmm. sovereign citizens and people like that. You know, I pay your salary, or I'm this. I'm your boss, and it's like, well, no, and and no. Like probably, first of all, probably you're not paying many taxes. (laughs) people that say that, and uh, and and second of all, that's just not how it works. Because if Mm -hmm. if we have laws on the books, just because you don't like those laws, doesn't mean that you're exempt from them. Because it's a government by the people and for the people. Yeah. Um, the Constitution is the ruler. mm -hmm. So, and someone has to enforce that, right? And and so so understanding that helps with. So with 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 COVID now, we weren't to the the, the degree of Canada, mm-hmm. um, but there's there's varying degrees and you say you don't think that a gun confiscation will happen in our lifetime and I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think that it's I mean, the Democrats just had control of all three houses of power. Mm-hmm. And that didn't nothing happened, really. So like that, that would have been the time if that's really what they wanted to do. But they know that that wouldn't go well. And I think that maybe we'll see that in some places, Um, you know, like California tends to lead the way with stupid policies and and things. So, you know, would Mm -hmm. we see that at some point in California? I don't know. Like, I think even there, there's a ton of Republicans in California. And even though that they're even though their gun laws are stupid, there's a lot of guns in California. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that we'll see that we'll see the slow erosion of rights over time. And then one day we'll look back and be like, where did all the rights go? And it's because we allowed a slow erosion over time. I think that's how it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be like one day. They're going to be like, you know what? Let's take the guns.
0: And I think when you review history and you see these things, it looks like one day we're rounding up the guns because there's an actual day when it came. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: when you look at the decay, like you're talking about, there's a slow and really it's a reeducation. Yeah, of a whole generation of people which is happening which right is happening now. Yeah. and so it could it that's why i said it, could it happen sure but will it happen in my lifetime i don't think so probably um, not
1: in my career anyways but yeah but what does what did happen is um and, it, and it's not not to that degree and we weren't boarding up churches and stuff but we were having people call the police because they saw people going to church mm-hmm. and That was one of the most frustrating and disappointing things about COVID was seeing how quickly and easily neighbors turned on people in their community just because they were doing something they didn't like. Like I literally had somebody call the police because they saw an old person go into the grocery store and they didn't think that they should be out in public right now. Like, like yeah <laughs> let me get on that real fast yeah. you know like it, it was put just that at so, the top of my priority list <laughs> yeah people are like my neighbors are having company over and it's like really you call the police because of that and so understanding that that we we have freedom to assembly and in, in in this country and freedom of religion and all of that and that those those rights trump a lot of other of a lot of other things and so if if you want to go cite people for going to church you're opening up a world of hurt for yourself. If, if any of them know anything about their rights. Um, and, and I think that's how you would articulate it. You know, if, if someone was like, well, you need to go cite those people that are going to church. It's like, yeah, I don't want my name on that lawsuit. So I'm going to go ahead and sit this one out. And if you yeah. got to write me up, then go ahead and write me up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and
0: I'd rather take the bad
1: bark. Than right. Have yeah.
0: Have to pay out some money.
1: <laughs> but then also understanding that ultimately I wouldn't do that anyways, because yeah. ultimately my loyalty is to God rather than men. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm being told to prohibit the assembling of the saints, which is something that God does command us to do, yeah. um, and there's I, there's not a Zoom clause in that command. Mm-hmm. So like the, the the couch churchgoers, I don't think that they're fulfilling that, that command. Yeah. I don't think they're being obedient. Like some people can't make it in and that's fine. If there's something mm-hmm. that prohibits you from doing that. But if you're a healthy person and six out of the other seven days of the a week, you're going about your normal life, you're going into work, you're doing whatever. And then Sunday, you're like, well, I'll just catch church uh, online. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I, I think you got to do some soul searching and see if you're being obedient to God. And so I don't want to find myself in the position where I'm adding to the obstruction of that, because I've got to answer to God one day. And as as uh, as intimidating as it can be to answer to your superiors here on earth. If you have that clear idea of that hierarchy of responsibilities in mind, you know that one day you're going to be standing before God and that's going to be way worse than standing oh, yeah. in your sergeant's office or the chief's mm-hmm. office or your manager's office or whatever, you know, so I'm not saying go out and be disobedient and who cares, as long as, you know, God's not mad at you. Like he commands us to be subject to our, our rulers and our bosses at work. You know, there's there's passages that that's basically what it's saying is be obedient to your, your boss. And and so we need to do that. But when there be, when there comes a conflict between God and that boss, those earthly authorities, we have to understand that you know I I I've already chosen my side as a Christian, and so I'm not going to be a part of um, obstructing something that God commands us to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's you know I always just kind of gave the simple answer, which is just I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know but but you do you do wrestle because there are things that even christians um would disagree on and so mm-hmm. you really have to be the the older i get and i'm not really that old but the older i get the more i understand why you need to be reading the bible because yes in, in our in our world I, and maybe it's just because i was young and maybe you know or maybe it was just because of the way the world was 10 years ago it didn't seem like you needed to know your Bible in and out to be able to function as a Christian. And I know that sounds heretical, but, <laughs> um, but, it, but there really, there wasn't much challenge. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like you're a Christian and you're over there and you do your thing and, you know, and it's okay. And, you know, again, maybe it was weak teaching or maybe I wasn't listening, which is more likely, Yeah, um, but well, you
1: weren't being challenged.
0: Yeah, we weren't being challenged. now. didn't need to know, yeah. And now I feel like, and again, maybe it's because I'm older or maybe it is because of the way the world's going. You have to know what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And when you start to think that every thought, not just action, but thought and intention, you know that what, why you're doing something is going to be laid bare before our, before our Lord. Yeah. You know, you really start to question everything you do um, in a healthy way. You know, the Puritans, that's what they were doing, right? I mean, they were just Mm -hmm. questioning, am I eating this cupcake? you know, because I am enjoying fellowship, which is good, or because I just want more cupcake, which is bad, you know, and they were, you know, they, they had thought it down and we don't even, you know, me personally, again, I didn't even yeah, you know, just eat the cupcake, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, cupcakes are good. Yeah, cupcakes are good, <laughs> eat it, you know, and so, um, you know, really knowing the scriptures is so important, um, mm. and especially in a job like a police officer or in the military and it is in any job, but where you have mm-hmm. to make these decisions that have lasting impact, you know, yeah. arresting somebody has a lasting impact, you know, that's going to yeah. be on the record. Um, and, or, you know, you go to arrest someone, it could have a longer lasting impact if they have a, a firearm mm-hmm. or a weapon of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, And now you are engaged in a, in a hostile situation yeah. where one person wins, you know? And yeah. so, um, it, you really start to think more, you know, when I was, you know, I was in, in the military I really just started to, to think more about what does the Bible say about these things? Um, yeah. I always knew it was okay to be in these jobs and be a Christian Yeah, just because someone told me that I said, cool, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but then really just starting to study, okay, how, how, why is it okay? Like, yeah. and, well, that's that's
1: even up for more debate than I than I originally thought. If you, I don't know if you've gone and looked at the video on my channel that we did, but there's people mm-hmm. coming out of the woodworks, like talking about how you can't be a Christian and be a police officer or uh, mm-hmm. or or in the military or something. It's like, really, you people are still around. Like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we thought you guys knew by now. Well,
0: and that's that's yeah. another you say, are you people still around? Interesting. In seminary, I'm in a class and they, they talked about, you know, we see systematic theology, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's the big, there's the big pillars of systematic theology. And, you know, I got a book right here, you know, systematic theology by Grudem and it's all written out and it's, you know, but how long it took for people to really wrestle through those things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And centuries are, you know, you look at the the tenets of systematic theology and the centuries that were put next to it as the church grew in it's understanding. And it was just so interesting to me because you, we talk about those people are still around like there that was a huge debate Mm -hmm. years ago and it really isn't that much of it there are still some more pacifists but it's just amazing that you know that people as we learn more you know as as life god throws different things at us and the church develops doctrines and you know and and that kind of stuff so that way 100 years from now, there'll be a book out there that you know it'll be this thick and it'll say, you yeah. know, the doctrine of the ministry of the sword or whatever you know, whatever. And yeah. it's just, yeah, you know, and it'll be a boring book that goes on the shelf and people dust off. But we don't realize how many battles were put to get the theology where it is now. Um, yeah, I don't know, that's that's a sidetrack, but it was yeah. just amazing to me when I when I looked at that as a timeline and mm. it just perfectly lined up. I was like wow I never I never realized that before <laughs> um but kind of transitioning into as a Christian and the in the as a police officer you know we we've talked about kind of the theological underpinning you know that this is something that's good It's a ministry of God right to restrain evil mm-hmm. um and and again as law enforcement or as a border patrol and police we've tried to restrain border patrol and military there we go we tried to restrain that Outside of our gates and Mm. inside the gates is, you know, where that work is done is is police officers and, um, and other agencies as well. And then, you know, we've talked about, you know, that theological underpinning, we talked about what happens when you're kind of told to do something you don't want to do, right? And Mm -hmm. it goes against God and and one thing we didn't really mention, but it can be mentioned briefly, is that the doctrine of the lower magistrate, where it's, you know, if you're if you're a sheriff, if you're in a sheriff's department and the sheriff says, we're not doing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is. You know, look in, you know, New York State says we're not doing we're not allowing concealed carry permits anymore. And, you know, Niagara County, where I'm at, says, no, nope, we're still doing it. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we would submit to them a lower magistrate that's still authority over us and they're they're following the, the law the real law of the land which is their mm-hmm. you know obviously god is their ruler but that law of the land on a on a, on a worldly standpoint is their is their ruler but now I want, I want to talk about ministering to other police officers um so as a as a christian when you're in these jobs that you know where you wield the sword um and you're good at it People question <laughs> how are you a Christian? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um not Christians necessarily, but people you're around because they're used to going and, and double fisting it, you know, cheating on their wives. And yeah. you know, that's not to paint a broad brush of of soldiers and police officers, but <laughs> we all know the ones that have well. married strippers. So so um, you know, and that's just not a typical accountants Ooh. normally aren't marrying strippers. So so uh I I just wanted to I have a friend who does a ministry called uh, responders on a mission Hmm. and it's a support group for um, he's the one who helped me start our uh, veteran support group for those in, in this unique role of first responder, police officer, EMT, and firefighter. Um, But as a Christian, you know, you have a chaplain. uh, If your department has one, but I learned from being in the military, you know, it all depends on how good your chaplain is, is mm. how much he's involved. And can he really serve 400 soldiers as one guy? He can't. Yeah. So how how do you minister to your fellow police officers?
1: Well, I think not being ashamed to speak about your faith is mm-hmm. one of the best things that you can do because it normalizes living out your faith and talking about it. And we need to talk about things and you know, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, like we need to do that. And I, I have, I, there's, I, I I work with, um, some, one guy in particular is, is that I work with, he's a very solid Christian and and we talk about stuff all the time. Like, like we'll, we'll wrestle with theology and and things like that, you know, and, and it's really cool to be able to engage that way at work another one of my closest friends. He's a he's a police officer too, but at a different department. And so we, but we can, we have that connection. We understand what each other are going through on a day-to-day and we can, we can talk about stuff. Um, and I think, and actually one of the, one of the, uh, one of the things that he, his name's Chris. So shout out to Chris, if you're listening. One of the things that he says often is that people will usually behave out of their perceived identity and i think there's a lot of truth to that and so when mm. you feel that um well i'm a cop and cops drink Do a this, lot yeah. and cops curse a lot and you know fill in the blank all of a sudden you you start finding yourself doing that or or at least being pulled in that direction and so i think that if you can if you can live out your faith and have a good testimony and, and try to help hold each other accountable then that changes that perceived identity of a Christian police officer like well I'm a Christian first of all our identity like we were talking about earlier your identity should be in Christ not as a police officer that's part that's going to be part of your identity because men in particular very closely identify with what it is they do Mm -hmm. for a living um it's just how it is but that shouldn't be your primary identity Right. And and so first of all, just acting out of your identity in Christ before anything else is crucial. But then having other Christian uh, people in law enforcement in your life, helping hold you accountable and living out lives that demonstrate what it would look like for somebody who is a, a solid Christian to, to be in these circles. You know, you've you You've talked about how you've you've had to struggle with the same thing. It's difficult sometimes to be in the world, but not of the world mm-hmm. when you're surrounded by this stuff because the the outside, the the enemy, so to speak, is they're criminals. <laughs> you don't want to associate with that. Like you don't want to <clears> be like that. So you want to be on the the good side, the thin blue line, right? You want to be in that thin <laughs> blue line. And people in thin blue line, they drink. they, mm-hmm. they you know, they have unhealthy coping mechanisms. They, drink three, four bangs per shift, you know, just to stay awake. Yeah, that's just what you do. And so you you learning that, okay, that might be what the majority of them do. And it's understandable that you're going to be pulled in that direction. But that that just having a clear idea of what's healthy, what's mm-hmm. not, what's a good testimony, what's not long term, like what's going to be best for me, I want to be around for my family as long as possible, you know, I want to have a healthy family life. And mm-hmm. so if I start developing habits that are destructive to my relationships here or my relationships outside of law enforcement, that's not good. If I, if I start developing behavior, that's destructive to my testimony. You know, I, I say that I'm a Christian. I, I have this channel that, that I run, but then if I'm going and getting drunk, you know, on the weekends or whatever, just because, well, you know, it's it's just what cops do. That really mm-hmm. undermines any yeah. effectiveness that I might be able to have. Because if somebody sees that, they're going to be like, well, I'm not listening to this guy. <laughs> mm. which And rightfully so, which is why we should flee any appearance of evil so that we don't undermine our own testimonies when, when, when it comes down to it and we're supposed to share the gospel. Yeah. Because, you know, ministering to other people that aren't Christians in law enforcement, if I'm exactly like them in every way, and then I want to tell them "Oh, Hey, you should believe the gospel. It's like, well, why, why do I need that? Like, you're the same as me. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So we don't want to fall into that, that, uh, that destructive cycle of just living out of what we see all around us. Cause it's, it's not going to be healthy.
0: Yeah. I did a terrible job in the military with, uh, with my language. You know, mm. I, again, I've told this story before I've justified my, um, filthy language is the language of the military yeah and i could because again as i repeat multiple times i am an idiot so <laughs> um i i thought that was you know a way to to talk to guys and get closer to guys and then not not in a way that was like i'm gonna be secret agent, man you know it was just like you yeah. know this is how again like you said this is what this is what infantrymen do they yeah they you know i don't drink and i you know i I don't get drunk and I, I don't go sleep with random women, you know, I'm faithful to my wife and I'm not going to all these parties, rowdy parties and all that, but there was compromise. And my compromise yeah. was my language, you know? And so how that, much it undermined my testimony, I, I, I guess, you know, we'll find out, <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it was not right for sure.
1: I think that language is a tricky area. Um, Cause I do think that there's some gray grayness in that because so in law enforcement not only is it you know the language of the people (laughs) in the department like cops curse more than anyone i've ever been around (laughs) but if you work in an area like certain areas you're kind of they don't listen to you if if you if unless you're you're using certain words Mm -hmm. now i i don't because uh, i've just kind of those words haven't—they're not in my vocabulary for the most yeah. part, and so it's just not natural for me to be like you know, just start shouting at people and shouting curse words. So, but it's 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 more out of habit than out of like a moral conviction for that because I know like other guys, it it it, they're, it, they're, it makes sense when when you would say something like, well, you know, if I'm in this area with these people, if I say, sir, could you please sit down? That's going to elicit more antagonistic behavior than if I were to say, you know, like, sit the F down mm. right now, you know, then they're mm. going to listen because that's what they're used to hearing. Yeah. And so I understand that. I don't practice that. Um, and and the other thing is, it, the Bible doesn't clearly define what English words you should and shouldn't use obviously mm-hmm. we shouldn't be throwing god's name around so if you're if you're using god or jesus or any form mm-hmm. of that in in any of your curse words that's a that's a clear line clear in the cut. sand yeah. you're crossing god is holy his name is holy and we should handle it with respect so something mm-hmm. that we taught my boys since the very beginning is you don't say god's name unless you're talking to him or about him that's mm-hmm. it hmm. um so so that's pretty clear but then there's then there's the dirty words <laughs> you know and like so how how dirty are we allowed to be mm. you know and so i think and the that...
0: arguments from christians are all over the board they um, they are yeah they are. so there is no you know you listen to john MacArthur, he's going to give you one answer and then jeff durbin's going to give you a completely different right um and i i do think you know there's a time and place for almost everything mm-hmm. um there's a time and place for everything but sin <laughs> and, right yeah and yeah. I, I you know for instance you know you, you we talk about the f-word you know mm-hmm. in a normal conversation i shouldn't be saying that right that should not be part of my normal vocabulary but when there's gunfire going on and you're trying to communicate to someone on the another line to shift fire mm-hmm. you know, in anger because you have to use anger to get to project your voice yeah that's where i guess you would have to wrestle with that um you know, more than I did. Cause I just said, yeah, that's what I got to do. Um, yeah. you know, which and, and, necessarily isn't the right answer.
1: And I think so. that, yeah, I do think, I do think that it, it's, it's somewhat subjective, but I think that you need to answer. Is there something inherently wrong with the F word? And there's not. It's it's just mm. sounds coming out of your mouth, you know. But is there but there is something inherently about taking God's name and throwing yeah. it around. So so there's the difference. Mm. Now, the reason that we say that the F-word is bad is because culturally that's seen as a as nasty a thing, word. Yeah. Mm. yeah and, and it's it's not polite. It's something that 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 people do when they're they don't care about the people around them. And yeah. so like you you said well you don't use it in normal conversation. Well, why not? Well, that's why not. It's offensive mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. It can be offensive to people, and we don't want to be offensive in our speech. There's mm-hmm. there's verses about that, not yeah. letting unclean language or being offensive in our speech. We don't want to unnecessarily offend people. We'll we'll do that enough with the gospel. That's fine. So, <laughs> but we don't want to we don't want to use up our offenses on stupid things like words. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I would say we should avoid it in our day-to-day. Now, are there situations like that? Well, again, I think it would depend on what you're doing when you use that word. Like, mm-hmm. because what it can do, what certain words can do is is add an immense amount of gravity to what you're saying. And you don't have time to communicate that gravity some other way. Other you're way, talking about yeah. taking fire. Well, all of a sudden, like people are going to sit up and listen if they hear this word, like he never uses that word. You know, yeah. now all of a sudden they're going to listen. Mm-hmm. So like, could you argue for a time and a place there? I, I mean, I, I, I see that. You know, mm. I, I, I get it. I don't know if I would be thinking that clearly in that moment, but it, you know, maybe it would, maybe it would come out. I don't know. But um, I do like. I guess if if I were to think back about being in certain situations, I like. I a lot of times I can't remember what I said. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes I'll be like, did, did I say a no-no word? Like I, I can't remember. <laughs> So, so I don't know, but, but I think a lot of it comes down to, to intent and, and context. And mm-hmm. so like, if, again, if you just thrown it in there because you're careless with your speech and you don't care if you're offensive, that's not good. It, yeah. it It's not, but, but if, is there a situation where, you know, you use it to, to, to let your, whatever you're saying, carry a lot more impact because you don't have time to communicate it in another way. Mm. Maybe. Maybe I would say that's up to the individual. Yeah, that's
0: something you got to wrestle with uh, mm-hmm. on an individual level. I mean, I, yeah, I, I've I've thought about it before. And again, I, I didn't put too much thought into it, right? I just kind of justified it and uh, moved on with my life, mm-hmm. which is never a way to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So. So I'm not the best, uh, I, I thought about doing an episode and maybe I will in the future just called the theology of language mm-hmm. and just talk about what is the Bible? What are the, all the Bible verses about course jesting about, uh, um, yeah. you know, foul language. And then how does this relate to, you know, different, different jobs and cause the military and police force, um, it is the, the, the language of a sailor as they would say, you yeah. know, uh,
1: not just the language but the jokes too the jokes yeah the jokes are
0: one thing yeah i definitely definitely failed in um (laughs) but but and it and that's just something that's a clear-cut sin you know Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to joke about that kind of stuff uh but here i am idiot number one just you know going (laughs) going through my day mowing it down uh well
1: you know you you talk about being idiot number one um one of the this maybe is shifting gears a little bit but um one of the things that I did want to, that I did want to bring up, um, that, that you do get a front row seat to in law enforcement is the, the impacts of sin, Mm
0: -hmm. you know?
1: Um, and so it can be very easy for us, particularly in the West, you know, we're so far away from a lot of this, like death and decay and everything that we can just kind of go about our day without thinking about it. But if I, so I i not I don't mean to be offensive to junkies out there but I would like junkies in in my mind at, at knee jerk reaction they can be some of can be some of the 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 nastiest people that you meet you know like mm-hmm. they're they're just unkempt they're 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 smelly and they, they like they they keep going back to this thing that's so destructive and they can be so frustrating and it's like like you sit here and you tell me you want to get clean, but like you're sitting on top of the drugs you just bought trying to hide them from me. Like how can I believe like how why should I believe you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would be very easy to feel even like subconsciously feel superior to them and be like, yep. well they're they're just gross people and what's their problem? Like why they 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 could just stop if they wanted to. Um yep. <laughs> and uh but one of the humbling things that ha- has happened is I'm I'm reminded every time I, I, I meet somebody like that and I have to deal with somebody like that. First of all, one of, the, one of the cool things about being a police officer and one of the ways that you can live and work oriented towards the kingdom of God is when you meet people like this is exhibit the love of Christ to them. And that doesn't mean letting them go. Like you still have a job to do, but you could treat them respectfully or you could treat them disrespectfully. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that, but at least I, I have a job where I have the opportunity to interact with them, to, to yeah. do that. But what I'm what I'm constantly reminded of every time, anytime I have a thought of it or something like that, is th- that is exactly how I am before mm-hmm. God, but, yeah. or or worse not not even not even exactly but worse. You know, like I, I'll wrestle with sin, and and Paul even talks about this. You know, the things that I hate I do, and the things that I want to do I don't do, and so we like we'll all sit there and tell god i really don't want to sin mm. and then i turn around and i go and sin yeah. you
0: know
1: and and god could have that reaction of ugh you know because how much more you, you know despicable are we our righteousness even our righteousness is just filthy rags before god so so how much more our sin you know um but instead of responding that way to us he we, we get the love of Christ. We have the Holy mm. Spirit who comes and comforts us and who was always going to meet us where we're at, pick us up and help us to walk forward, you know, and, and try again. And so that helps me to have some compassion when I have this vivid picture of what it is that sin yeah. can lead to in front of me. And it's like, look, th- the only th- there's there's very little difference between the two of us, you know, like mm. i, I I've, I'm, I'm, I've got a badge on and I've got a job to do and everything, but that doesn't make me any better or any worse than this person that I'm dealing with. We are, we are both sinners before God. And on judgment Mm -hmm. day, I'm not going to be standing any higher than them, you know, and, and like my, my hope and my prayer for them would be that, um, that they would find Jesus. And, and I think that, and, and hopefully get the, their issues straightened out but just the the reminder that you know not to be that Pharisee who looks over at the tax collector and says, "Well, thank God I'm not like him," you know, and where where the tax collector is beating his chest and won't even raise his eyes to heaven and he says, "You know, God have mercy on me, a sinner," and they both yeah. walk away, and the which one walked away right with God, well, the the, the tax collector, you know, mm-hmm. and so just being careful not to get comfortable in this position of I'm an all right guy, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian, you know, and, and at least I'm not, you know, a drug addict. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, well, you're a sin addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's worse. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh,
0: and I, and I in the job I work in now at the Dagger gospel mission, I get, I get those junkies once you guys drop them out our door, right? Yeah. Um. And you know, if you if there is a, a rescue mission near you, I, I highly suggest dropping your guys off there because yeah. uh we get to see the transformation, and you know we try to minister to police officers that come through our door pretty yeah. much every week, <laughs> whether it's bringing someone in our door or stopping something that's happening within our yeah. doors. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Just because it's the nature of you know you get all these people together. Um. And you're trying to minister to them, but sometimes they get violent, which is, you know, someone like me is still exciting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so as we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to first off, thank you for uh, coming on yeah. and um, and talking about this. I think that in these jobs talking about the Lord, you know, we try to do on an individual basis. But as far as Christendom talking about um, or, you know, Christianity at large talking about these jobs and how they are a ministry is something that you're doing and something that I'm attempting to do. Um, well, so if someone wants to find uh, you, how do they do so?
1: You could look up battle ready saints on YouTube or Instagram on both of those pages and, and uh, give us a follow there. That's where we, uh, we're also on uh, any major podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google play, Spotify, all that.
0: Well, good. Yeah. And I highly suggest going on there. I guess our episode before was the, the most listened to. So maybe this will be the most listened to. Right? Godly grunts. Uh, who hey, knows? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, and so, hopefully if you, for the right reasons. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And so, if you want to support this ministry, you can donate to the Niagara Gospel Mission. Um, which is where we house homeless veterans uh, and homeless people, homeless men. we have transformation programs, and we get people find the find people of the police drop people off and we we give them the gospel and hope they do come around the other end and uh and so I just want to thank you for coming on. um uh, this was a great uh a great interview, great talk, so
1: yeah, thanks it. for having me yeah it's it's been a blast as always,
0: yeah, all right. have a good one.
1: you too.